Hi, this is Andrea Harkins at themartialartswoman.com. You are exploring the culture, adventure, and impact of martial arts with Sifu T.W. Smith. Exploring the culture, the adventure, and the impact of martial arts. That's what Kung Fu Podcast is all about. And I'm your host, T.W. Smith. Feels great to be able to sit down and talk with you for a few minutes. I just finished lessons. I'm recording this on Saturday. I've been working diligently over these past several weeks to put together a program that's all about the master of arms. Let's start podcast number 159 with a true story. 17-year-old Nicholas Latiolis thought he had stumbled upon a car accident when he went to help a bleeding man. He used his skills as a Boy Scout, turned his belt into a tourniquet to slow down the bleeding of the man's leg, but within these next few minutes, Nicholas realized that these were gunshot wounds and he had stumbled into the middle of an ongoing active shooting, which was in his usually very quiet neighborhood. The shooter had already killed one, wounded others, The police arrive, they're trying to contain him, then the shooter actually takes fire onto the police helicopter. All the while, Nicholas is using the injured man's clothes as bandages and trying to save him. Eventually, the shooter is taken down, then reporters are trying to find out what happened. Nicholas says that he was glad he was able to help, and he doesn't think his actions were that extraordinary. In fact, he says, quote, In Boy Scouts... They always talk about helping others and serving the community just because that's what you're supposed to do as a citizen. I knew I could help him, so I did, end quote. The Boy Scouts has evolved into this massive international association, and it started almost by accident. In today's podcast, we're going to be looking at the relationship of martial arts the movement of martial arts, but also the inclusion of martial arts all through the Boy Scouts. Let's first take a look at the man behind the Scouts. It all starts in England on January 24, 1908, with the publication of Robert Baden-Powell's book, Scouting for Boys. English boys already knew of the national hero, Colonel Baden-Powell, and thousands of them had bought his handbook. Within a few months, flocks of these impromptu Boy Scout troops had sprung up all over Britain. Colonel Baden-Powell, almost 10 years before in 1900, became a national hero in Britain for his 217-day defense of Mafi King and the South African War. This siege that lasted from October of 1899 to May of 1900 was particularly noted as the son of the British Prime Minister at the time, Lord Edward Cecil was in the besieged town with Colonel Baden-Powell. They set up tactical defenses, provided training for this grueling battle. They also trained and utilized young men who were about 12 to 15 years old. They had titled these young men the Mafi King Cadet Corps. It is said that these young men, who during this wartime acted as his orderlies, messengers, They also stood guard and took on roles that provided the grown men the opportunity to get out there and fight. It is sometimes said that the Mafi King Cadet Corps 
were part of the initial inspiration of the Boy Scouts Association. Well, how does that blend into the movement of martial arts? Well, at this point, we're going to refer to our good friend of the program, Dr. Ben Juckins. You can always find Ben's work over at Kung Fu Tea. You can get to him at KungFuPodcast.com forward slash Ben. And Ben writes that history is an understanding of a process that emerges when many streams meet and they converge. For example, Ben writes, quote, American servicemen were exposed to judo and kendo during their occupation of Japan. But that really doesn't explain why would they want to practice these arts once they got home, end quote. Single variable explanations that attempt to explain social and or economical world observations should be treated with a very high degree of caution. Another example is that Bruce Lee was a gifted entertainer and actor. He was also recognized as one of the 20th century's most influential instructors, despite the fact that he only had a relatively few number of students. Ben explains that from a scholar's perspective, movements like these are easier to wrap the head around when they are put simply into a supply and demand or a push-pull context. For example, quote, one source of global economic and political exchanges made the establishment of Western Wing Chun schools possible in the 1980s, but not in the 1930s. The art was already pretty popular in southern China during both of these periods, but it only enjoyed a global spread in one of them, end quote. It's important to remind ourselves, particularly in martial arts, that very few of our choices are free and unconstrained. We like to feel like they are, and we like to think that they are, but media back in the old days, such as newspaper, magazines, later television movies and programs, even take today. How much does combative sports either directly or subconsciously influence one of our so-called free-thinking decisions? Would a person lean in a different direction without that influence? Besides the media and some of the things I just mentioned, institutions also play a massive role in our choices. The U.S. military of the 1900s will, quote, use their organizational capabilities to make their specific behaviors possible or compulsory. Yet, even when something is not directly mandated, it can still bleed over in complex or unexpected ways. This is what social scientists call externalities. Indeed, you did not have to join the army in 1941 to learn judo or karate. Rather, the U.S. military unintentionally ensured that every small city in America would be stocked with instructors in the Japanese martial arts. As a general rule, where the forces of push and pull overlap, rapid social changes become possible. To also help us understand this idea between the scouts and the movements, I brought in a 150-page thesis essay. Of course, I'm not going to share the whole thing with you, but I wanted to bring out the excerpts of it that I felt like were appropriate for this discussion. It is titled, Looking Wide. Imperialism, Internationalism, and the Boy Scout Movement, 1918 through 1939. 
It's a Master's of Thesis in History written in 2012 by Mr. Scott Johnston. It's important as we're looking at institutions we brought up the U.S. military that we appreciate the role that the Boy Scouts played at the time. Mr. Johnston wrote that the Boy Scout movement was by far one of the most influential youth movements of the 20th century. During this thesis, he's going to trace the evolution of the Scout movement from a British imperial institution into an international brotherhood. He also, throughout his thesis, demonstrates this tense relationship that exists between the worldwide membership and the central administration of the movement. Even though the founder, Colonel Baden-Powell, wanted an image of unity throughout scouting, he's going to find that scouting is ungovernable from a single ideological source and that each local condition each local culture is going to deeply influence the scouting as it's transplanted into this new community. In his introduction, Mr. Johnston writes, quote, Boy Scout troops, by the nature of the organization, inevitably encountered issues of gender, ethnicity, class, consumerism, religion, nationalism, and internationalism each in their own right a worthy topic to interest the serious historian, end quote. We can also go ahead and add in that there are issues and struggles along with transgenders and sexual preferences inside the Scouts. Before we continue looking into the Scouts of the martial arts, let's look at how it began. If you go back to 1899, Colonel Baden-Powell had written a book titled Aids to Scouting Manual. It was a military field manual written for men to help them better understand how to become a scout in the military. Well, shortly after that, he's deployed to South Africa, which we discussed earlier. Then Colonel Baden-Powell is returning from Africa and discovers that his manual has become this bestseller. Of course, he had written it for British soldiers in 1899, but unexpectedly, the publication caught on with the much younger audience. Boys love the lessons on tracking and observation, and then also the organized, elaborate games that he uses in the book. He wrote that every cavalryman should be skilled in scouting. So now that I'm in this part of the program, I want to take a minute and let me get a little swallow of water. Make a note that in November of 2018, I'll be part of a martial arts seminar that is put out by the Shirite Jiu-Jitsu Kai. We're going to be just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, and you can get all the information you want. So if you want to come into the area, love to meet you and talk with you. Go to KungFuPodcast.com forward slash Shurite. The other thing I want to let you know about is that I've taken the time to take this podcast and put together what I describe as a modernized martial arts curriculum. So if we were going to go back or if I was going to go back and teach the Boy Scouts martial arts and try to keep inside the same vein and thought processes that Colonel Baden-Powell originally laid out, how would I go about it? It's not to say that he would have approved of it. But it is to say that if he would have asked me to put together a martial arts curriculum that would be at a fundamental level able to prepare these young men to be able to be aware of their circumstances, protect themselves in most social settings, school or around their peers, what would I teach them? The outline of that written curriculum is already done with the details. 
and my son and I have gone through, and we've put together some video. There's going to be some other video for it, so you can get that information. That is going to be a free download, and you'll be able to watch the videos for free for those of you who already listen to the program now. And I'm probably going to leave it free for about the first 30 days or so. Then after that, I may ask for a dollar or something to download it. But in the beginning, when you go to KungFuPodcast.com forward slash Master at Arms, you'll be able to download that file. That leaders such as the Duke of Marlborough would even go out on his own to scout the enemy. Powell also writes to the future, forecasting that scouting will be even more important as war technology is changing by saying, quote, it is probable that in the future, speaking of scouting, its value will still be greater because when acting against enemies armed with long-range weapons and smokeless powders that render his position invisible, we would be exposing our troops to absolute destruction were we to blunder them boldly against an enemy without knowing exactly how and when what strength he posted. Quote. As Powell writes his initial military manual, he will say that the things that he values the most are grit and discretion. He writes that the scout must have these qualifications. To be a military scout, a man before being trained as a scout, is selected for having the following points. He must be smart, active, intelligent, and trustworthy soldier. They must have good eyesight and hearing. The soldier must be healthy and sound. A man who drinks or is liable to reoccurrence of certain diseases is useless for a scout. This candidate must be willing and able to turn his hand to any kind of job. They also must be a good rider, able to swim, good practical horse master, and long-distance rider. They must be able to semaphore and, of course, able to read and write. Now, semaphore is that ability to like, use flags and to send a signal or messages across a distance. A good scout should also be able to read a map, sketch, and report information. Now, a number of these qualities are the very things that we look for sometimes in good martial arts, being active, trustworthy. I mean, it's really hard to practice when you don't trust the person you're practicing with. But perhaps the three most important qualities that overlap very well in the martial arts, and he's going to be using these later in the martial arts, is grit, self-reliance, and discretion. Powell writes that the main key to success in scouting is to be resolute and have self-reliance. He continues by telling you that he's going to show you what these are and how to get them. Being resolute or having grit. He says that many people will tell you that grit is not a thing that can be taught to a man. It's either born in him or he's not got it at all. But in reality, like many other things, it is almost always in a man, though in some cases it wants developing and bringing out. The grit of a scout is of a very high order, and here's the reason why. A man who takes part in a military charge is talked of a hero. But he goes into that charge with all of his comrades around him and his officers directing, and he cannot very well turn his back. How much higher, then, is the grit of the single scout who goes on to some risky enterprise all alone, on his own account, taking his life in his own hands, 
when it is quite possible for him to go back without anybody being the wiser. But he carries out his mission because he thinks that the result to his side will be worth all the risks that he runs. Such grit is very much the result of the confidence inside himself. After grit is self-reliance. Powell writes that akin to grit is self-reliance. This is the ability to act on your own hook, to be able to see what is the right line to take according to the circumstances, without the wanting of an officer or non-commissioned officer at your elbow to tell you exactly what to do. In martial arts around here, we used to call that spoon feeding. Are you going to take the time to figure out what you need to do and what would be the right thing to do, or do I need to kind of walk you through step by step? There's got to be a little blend to it, but I need you to learn to be a self-thinker. But Pion writes that use your own intelligence and act on it. He goes ahead and he says that there are some men who are like troop horses. They are all right in the ranks. With exact words of command given to them and doing exactly the same as their neighbors, they're okay. But when you take them away from the ranks and try to get any other kind of work out of them or expect for them to think for themselves... They don't know where they are, and they become bewildered. You as a scout, and I'm going to go ahead and say as a martial artist, must, in addition to have grit, must be able to act for yourself and use your common sense. The secret of getting these two qualifications is having confidence in yourself, Powell writes. And confidence in yourself you can only have when you know that by the training and practice that you are thoroughly up to the work that you have to do. You will also begin to feel that you are a better man than your adversaries. The historical American, General Grant, said that the first few times he went to action, he was very frightened of the enemy. But one day, he happened to see some of them dodging behind trees and rocks. And he realized that they were frightened too. And then when he went at them, he made them run. He never let the fear run him again. The resolution and grit had come to him. It had not occurred to him before that, that the enemy were also men, and just as frightened of him as he was of them. These qualities will not come to you by wishing for them, sitting down and hoping for them. You've got to put your mind on it and learn them during your training. To keep all that in balance, you must have discretion. Grit cannot be confused with rashness and foolhardiness. He gives us the example that if you're a landsman and you get into a boat and you start off to sail, when a seasoned sailor tells you that the waters are too bad to be safe, you don't call that landsman gritty. He's being a fool. He's doing a rash act from ignorance of the danger that he's running into. So coupled with your grit and self-reliance, you must have discretion. Some people mean by discretion a readiness to back out of a job if they see that there is danger in it. And that's not what we mean by that. What Powell means by discretion is sufficient cool-headedness to see how, by using your grit and self-reliance, you can go into the danger and get through it all right. Powell writes that you might even find a flock of men full of grit and resolute who would scout into the mouth of hell for you if you asked them. They would go slap dash bang in. 
But what one really wants is a man, besides having the grit to go there, also has the discretion to see how is he going to get back with the information of what it was like to the people who need to know. That is using discretion with your grit and your self-reliance. All of these are necessary qualifications for any scout, and they come from the confidence inside of himself. This confidence is the result of the scout having perfected himself in training with the points that we're going to touch upon. In that military manual, he goes through a number of points, exercises, and the reasons why that these things are very valuable to a scout. Some of them I thought that would be important to us, for example, are quick of the eyes and the ears. And basically what that means is that pay attention all the way around you and use your ears as well as your eyes to form your surroundings clearly. Learn to pay attention to your surroundings in detail. So that, for example, like we mentioned in the last podcast, the personal confrontation begins when you become aware of unwanted attention upon you. Powell recommends that for a scout, and much like what we discussed in the last podcast as well, is that once you're aware of that attention, what do you do with it? Do you acknowledge it or do you ignore it? And by ignoring, we don't pretend like it's not happening. That's not what we mean. By ignoring it, I explain it as you don't give them the satisfaction of knowing that you know. Powell writes, quote, that when you see a distant head bob down behind the shelter or any other suspicious sign, do not stop and look at it, but go on with your movement and occupation so as not to rouse suspicion that you have seen anything, and probably more signs will be forthcoming. Encouraged, encouraged by not being spotted, the enemy will continue to watch you boldly or to move about thinking he is still unseen. One of the other things I found that was very interesting in Powell's book was the exercises that he gives for a future scout, some things that I've actually started incorporating in my training a little bit. So that if you wanted to practice being aware, practice sketching. He says that going through a little sketching, just as bad as mine is, helps you exercise your memory. It also helps you, as we have discussed in previous podcasts, with your imagery work, paying attention to the details. Powell also uses it as a way to train a scout to learn how to find their way. By sketching and looking, you learn to be more observant of creating paths and exits for yourself. So, for example, when you're going places, especially that are strange or new, periodically stop and glance behind so that in case there is a need of a speedy exit, the terrain is already familiar to you. Plus, you might notice some secondary exit paths that were not evident to you as you are arriving. One of the other skills is caring for your comrades or first aid, the ability to care for others. So the basic scout has to be able to care for someone who has fallen ill or able to carry a helpless person. How many times have you actually practiced carrying someone, whether that's through pulling them or tossing them over your shoulders, out of harm's way? I would really encourage you to do that because it's not as easy as you might think. I know that Ian Abernathy and their group practice it pretty regularly because it's part of their training program. It also gives you a real feeling of the intensity it takes to do that kind of work. Then the other thing that was absolutely amazing by Powell's book that made it so popular with the young folks 
was the details and exercises that help you create these skills that he was talking about. For example, he had games called the Spider and the Fly, where two groups would work with one another. They had flag stealing, and there are lists of these types of games inside of that book with full descriptions, diagrams, and I can tell you that they are also very adaptable to martial artists. Not all of them are, but you could find some really good ideas in there. So we've introduced Colonel Bowden Powell, a national hero, and the anchorman in Beginning the Scouts. We've also introduced Scott Johnston's thesis that explores the complexities and the importance of youth movements during the time focusing on the Boy Scouts movement. And as well, I took the time to introduce Bowen Powell's work, Age to a Scout. So many of the qualities and skills that he was looking for in a scout that he believed every cavalryman should have the ability to be a scout are very similar to some of the things that we need to be successful in our martial arts. We need grit and the ability to be resolute. We need the ability to think for ourselves in a common sense way and be self-reliant. We develop those qualities through our practice, our training, day in and day out with different folks so that we get a good feel for what it takes to build grit and self-reliance through confidence. Then we learn to develop discretion as we go along. So it doesn't matter how many times you see the same folks showing you how you can disarm a guy with a knife and you can read the magazine article. We begin to realize that, you know, if he's got a knife and I've got nothing, and there is no other reason for me to take this excessive risk, I'm going to take a few steps back and give him some space because there is no shame in not taking on risks that are unnecessary. However, if the risk was absolutely necessary, you would find the grit and the self-reliance to improvise, adapt, and overcome. I also pointed out that in his manual, Using your eyes and ears, being aware of your surroundings was critical for a scout and is critical for us no matter what level of training we are in. I enjoyed his approach in ignoring the information that you've gotten so to get them to show you a little bit more, get them to show you more of the cards that they have. I've been asking some of the kids and reminding the adults, so if you go to a new place, let's say like the mall, stop periodically and just look behind you so that it'll be easier for you to find an exit in case you need to get out quickly. Being able to administer basic first aid and carry someone really should be part of your curriculum if you promote your classes as being part of self-protection. Remember to come and visit me in November 2018 near Charlotte, North Carolina at the Surete Jiu-Jitsu Kai's Association's martial arts meeting with Troy Price, Paul Cody, and many others. Then, of course, remember, for the first 30 to 45 days, you can download the curriculum. Love to hear from you. Watch the videos. I should have those up here very shortly for you. And send me your ideas. I've still got a couple more episodes of this coming up. On the next section, we're going to be talking about the first Boy Scouts meeting, and then the Masters at Arms badge and what was needed for you to qualify for that badge. So here's your scenario, your homework opportunity. You're being asked to teach 100,000 12 to 15-year-old young men martial arts around the world. Your program has to be something that any one of them, whether they're in India, Asia, Europe, America, 
is something that they can learn and be competent with, not perfect, but competent with in four to six months tops. We're going to assume that they'll practice three or four days a week for about 30 minutes, some with you, some at home. What would you put in that program? As always, thank you so much for listening to Kung Fu Podcast and giving me an opportunity to share things with you and you sharing back with me. I look forward to hearing from you, and I'll be talking with you again very, very soon with Part 2, The Master at Arms.